This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put oh, he's the one. Pussy up the right sideline. He's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson. Alongside on Zoom, college writer Carter Yates. What's up, buddy? You know, Mother Nature saw this weak sauce CFB slate and tried her darndest to cancel it, cancel the weekend. But she relented at the last minute and we got to watch all that football. So I'm 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 happy this morning. She rewarded us with a very, very late uh yes. banger of a game in Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> Correct. Uh that other voice is of course everyone's favorite Mal Pal, Mallory Hartley. Mallory, did you stay up and watch it too? I sure did. That's why my voice sounds a little cracky today, but it was that was a fun game to watch. Didn't expect to stay up till 1 30, 2 o'clock watching a college football game, but I was about to say, like a Colorado, Colorado State Rocky Mountain showdown game, much less. Yeah. Like if, if you're watching that, you'd expect, oh, USC and Oregon or something. Right. But right. No, this is two teams that were like combined two wins, three wins last year. <laughs> yeah. Craven <laughs> had that tweet about it and he was like, College football has us on a week three slate where everyone ripped on it watching Colorado, Colorado State at 1 a.m. Like college yes. football is the best drug. <laughs> yes, that's so true. It is very true. Um, so, yeah, as you guys know, for these Sunday recaps, I'm just going to tell you right now, this one's not going to be long. I mean, look, there was a lot of, uh, I don't say nonsense, but like a lot of results that we kind of figured, right? Mm-hmm. Um a lot of blood, so we're not going to touch much on those. But we did have some games that kind of, I don't want to say raised some eyebrows, but definitely like kind of got us thinking a little more about certain teams. This one of them being TCU-Houston, the only spotlight game we had this week between two inter- uh, interstate teams. And, of course, this was Houston's debut in the Big 12 at home. Uh, very hyped occasion for them. And uh, they followed that up with a, or is this 36 to 13 loss to TCU? Uh, I tweeted after the game, the only reason people are not going to mention, and by the way, one of those touchdowns was not a offensive touchdown, I believe. That was a kick return. Um, so meaning they put up one touchdown in this game. The only reason people well, are not going to talk they did about have a touchdown. I want to say it was just field goals. And then a touchdown. No, I think, I think they did have one touchdown. I thought they had one. Did they really not have any? No, I think they. No, it was. Yeah, no, they did. Oh my god, wasn't it? Yeah, because it was. It was three, and then the kickoff, and then the field. Wow, you're right. Oh my god, yeah, they had three. Then they had the kickoff for Matthew Golden, and then it was a touch. Then it was another field goal. Wow. Okay, so they did not score an offensive touchdown in this game. Um, here's the thing. I tweeted after the game. People are not going to be talking about Kendall Bryles after this game because he played the only other anemic offense in the Big 12 in this state. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is what happens when, I'm sorry, when you base your entire offense around finding a quarterback and you just say, let's go with the guy that the 
third quarter, the third option at Tech. Like in all, in all, in all things right, if Baron Morton's not a freshman last year, Donovan Smith's the third choice quarterback at Texas Tech. If we go through the spring, if we go through all of that, and Donovan Smith stays at Tech, he's gonna. Baron Morton is the would be the preferred option with a year under his belt, and Houston says let's and basically brings in not really anyone else, <laughs> right on offense. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you lose Alton McCaskill; they can't help that. But even you lose a Tank Dell, you downgrade at quarterback, and then you downgrade at running back. And they might have, they might have gotten better depth at wide receiver, but you still don't have that game breaker, and. As much as I like Donovan Smith, I'm going to stay, say it again. He's not the guy who runs this type of offense. You run a different offense with him, and they just don't seem to be able to because the run game isn't there. And to me, this says more about Houston than TCU. Uh, Craven put up a piece in his 411 and in his three thoughts. Um, they should go check out now on textfootball.com that TCU might be a default Big 12 contender because who the hell else is there right yeah. now besides That's Texas and Oklahoma? Well, this Houston TCU game was so interesting because I didn't have any clue about either of these teams. Right. And after the game, I still don't really know about TCU, but I kind of think Houston stinks. Like I kind of just think it's going to be a, a tough year. Yeah. You can't win. You can't win against TCU, much less compete. If you end your first four drives in TCU territory with three points. Right. It's just not going to work. Um, like you said, the offensive personnel got worse in this offseason when they're about to step up into Big 12 play. I saw our Go Cougs guys had a tweet, and it says Data Holgerson is now 0-11 versus current Big 12 teams during his time in Houston. Oh. Which is not the stat. That is I'm not, not what you want to see <laughs> after uh, your Big 12 opener. Data oh Holgerson God. also, after this game, saying it's not the play calling. So let's just get that. Yeah, there. And they he did. Said, he did call. He did call uh, the offensive output embarrassing. Like he actually like was like about to pop. He popped off about the offense, which I don't think it's the play calling either. I think it's the person. I think it's a personnel fit. Mm-hmm. Like well, I just said, don't. He Go said ahead. we're gonna look at the personnel over this week and see we gotta make changes. But it's like, but who? I was about to say what. I was about to yeah. say, who comes in? Like, who are you putting in? Um. Uh. Oh my god, Wait. I forgot the back quarterback's name. Who but like. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, Lucas Coley. Yeah, do you put in Lucas? I don't. I'm. I don't think Lucas Coley's much better than Donovan Smith. I'm sorry. He might fit the system better, but yeah, like he is the best you got. He was their marquee transfer. Um, Stacy Sneed and Brandon can't like those are the best running backs they got. Like, I'm sorry, that, that's all they got. They lost their dude to to uh, where is he? Where's where did Dalton McCaskill go? Uh, Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, the defense. I mean. The one thing I will say about TCU, they decided to run the damn ball, and it worked. It looked pretty good. Like, Monty Bailey finished with twenty three carries for one hundred twenty six yards. They ran Chandler Morris like I don't want to say like Max Duggan, but like they let him be a little bit more mobile. Trey Sanders was able to be an option for them as well. He had eight carries, um, so I like that. And then Chandler Morris wasn't he was fine. Like he was in, in through the through passing. He had one turnover, but he was he was okay. They didn't need he didn't need to necessarily be that interception. Dominant. That interception was not totally his fault, too. Right. Like, Houston got away with the DPI hold on Jared Wiley. Yeah. And the ball got tipped in the air, which, by the way, Malik Fleming had that interception. 
through the young season, Houston's a little disappointing. Malik Fleming is a dog. Like yeah. he he had that interception uh on the on the DPI that didn't get called. He had two picks in the game one against UTSA in this massive punt return. Like he has been a revelation for them. I thought Chandler Morris, I thought he was throwing some dots that were kind of just getting dropped. Honestly, Jojo, one the, the, the one touchdown, I forgot who it was too. the one touchdown back shoulder fade. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was too, but he threw one that was like a really impressive. There was a, a defender draped on him. I think it was like in the third quarter, um, I mean, JP Richardson that he threw it too. He, it showed he has some TST has talent or it was, it was Savion Williams. Actually. I do remember. Um, yeah, I think again, I think he is what he is. He's gonna, he's not the most prolific quarterback, but I think he's somebody who has the ability to stretch the field when they need to. And like, <laughs> it was fortunate for them that they didn't need to press that much because Houston wasn't going to score, <laughs> but uh, they were able to make like a, they were able to hold on to the ball comfortably and not, not let the defense kind of get things back in for Houston. Cause that was the only way they were going to get back in the game. <laughs> For TCU, I think they can't just run the same offense and scheme. And it's a different offensive coordinator, so they won't be. But they can't Mm -hmm. do the same thing they did last year because Quinn Johnson is a different beast than Savion Williams up to this point. Right. Uh, Max Duggan is a better runner probably than Chandler Morris, although Chandler Morris is sneaky athletic. You know, he is very fast when he wants to run, but he's just not as naturally shifty as Max Duggan. And then I, I'll say it again. I just think the depth at running back can be better than it was last year with Ken J. Miller. Like, I think Amani Bailey yeah. is much improved. And I think Trey Sanders is kind of a beast. Like, they're, and they don't even have this thunder and lightning type deal. They have two thunders, yeah. like guys who will just bowl you over and hit that Y button truck stick. So, I, I think uh, I think they're still figuring it out, but I think TCU has a chance to be that default Big Twelve contender, like Craven says. Yeah, it's we'll see what the big we'll see what the rest of the Big Twelve <laughs> is like because I have no idea who's good. Besides, like we'll talk about Texas in a bit, but like I I feel still ninety five percent confident that Texas is good. Um, I just think I just think Wyoming's good. Um, yeah, and the rest I don't know because I don't even know about Oklahoma at this point. Like they look fine but they still don't wow me either so they've had a soft schedule too like they really have a soft i mean like again that's the thing with like oklahoma I mean, that's it's not like, super soft but like nobody yeah. well nobody thinks that oklahoma's improved they just think that they should win that schedule like that, yeah. that's kind of the thing with me so i don't know red river is going to be very mm-hmm. telling for both these teams because i think there's a chance of something similar to last year in my opinion yeah, and then you have uh, Matt Campbell at Iowa State trying to square up with a fan after the game, and then Oklahoma State getting dogged by South Alabama. So yeah, they still check in. Not going very well. <laughs> Not going very well. Uh, all right, let's get to the reverse power poll, and let's start at the bottom, which will no longer be the bottom after this week. North Yay! Texas forty, LaTeX thirty-seven. Hey, look at that. They played this good quarterback and they won the game. Correct. Uh, they almost <laughs> tried to lose the game. Let's be clear. Uh, this really 30, it was 37 to 20 at the beginning of the fourth quarter. <laughs> 37 <laughs> to 20. <laughs> and this was tied at 31. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I sent in the point. Slack. They had the they had the 99% win probability that just like fell off a cliff. <laughs> 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 they were up by 10. 
with four minutes left. I was like, no, North Texas. So, so yeah, they, uh, they played channel. They started channel Rogers. Uh, I mean, again, he's, I don't think he's a world beater, but he is somebody who can move the offense better than Stone Earl. Just Stone is. Earl, yes. Um, completion percentage. He wanted to be better 24 or 40, but 313 yards through the, uh, through the air, two touchdowns was an option with his feet, just able to move. Right. Um, the thing that I think that North Texas, the thing that I think that North Texas will like to probably do often is we'll get to the defense in a bit because they did some different things as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were able to play a little bit of a little bit of Seth Latrell ball in terms yes. of getting to an early lead and then just running the ball. <laughs> and then they mm-hmm. were because like AO a day, like somebody who is one of the best running backs in the state. Finally got going almost 150 yards on the ground. They finished with almost 250 on the ground. And it was like, okay, like that, that that's what they should be able to do, right? Chandler Rogers doesn't, I don't even think he has to throw for 300 yards for them to be able to win games if the with that running game. Um and then of course Chandler the defense they, block that he had. That yes, I did see that block. Yeah, that's how that's how you earn the trust of your teammates right there. That, that's that's mm-hmm. all right. This is the guy. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, it was a I, – I thought that this was a very, like, Seth Luttrell-esque type game, both on the offense and the defensive side. I was pretty impressed with the defense, too, all the way up until about the fourth quarter. Um, I thought the, <laughs> they started off the, the game with two three-and-outs, I think. Um, and so I, I was pretty impressed with them. And they also moved to a four-man front, too, which I thought was very, very impressive, uh, impressive call by Coach Morris, too, because we had talked about it. They just don't have the personnel to run a 3-3-5, and – putting four guys up there in the front like that's that's the way that they need to go I mean they need four bodies up there that are pretty equal in size not super big but they just don't have the personnel like we talked about on on the Wednesday episode to run a three three five so that four-man front I think is one of the main reasons why the defense looked so much different than the past two weekends they allowed negative two yards total in the first quarter yeah and Mason Richards got a sack yeah Yeah. no let's get him going (laughs) yes seriously like i mean again the fact that they were able to audible like this and say you know what that wasn't working right i think they're i mean to be they're still recruiting to that three so i think that is the end goal i think Um, yeah 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 but if you don't have it now okay that's fine like learn to adjust and i think that i think morris was able to adjust on offense on his side of the ball right with with the quarterback situation uh also with the play calling right the they were running the ball a lot more and kind of trying to establish that and then obviously on the defense with capone just going from three man to a four man front i don't know if that says I don't know if that's positive for the long-term trajectory of Capone in terms of being the defensive coordinator. If they were like, Hey, this thing that we practiced all spring is not working two weeks in, we're just going to go with the thing that is kind of different, completely different. I don't know if that's just a, if that's just a short-term fix or if they are like, you know what, we're just not going to run this defense going forward. Um, At least for the time being. uh, Yeah. Keep it going. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It is pretty big time that, you know, Morris two games into a tenure is willing to adapt that sure. much. And just that's you see so many times these coaches be so hard headed and like, I know what's best and I'm going to fit this square peg in a round hole. Mm-hmm. And look, I'll eat crow on that UNT Texas state piece. Like I, I wrote this week, like UNT totally adapted. They, because yep. the thing was they had the three, three, five, which didn't work with the personnel and they were playing the incumbent quarterback instead of the transfer. And they made both those switches in this game. 
And, and they won. The so. final score is way closer than the game actually was. Like UNT kind of had control of this game for much of the time. I mean, the defensive line's getting pressure. Roderick Brown forces an incomplete pass on fourth and one. Mm-hmm. Um, Chandler Rogers loves him some Roderick Burns, by the way. Oh, I mean, yeah. I had like 20 catches or something like that. Like he was, they were, they uh, were going at each other all all day. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think like this is exactly what UNT needed. They needed to get in the win column. The first one's always the hardest. And now let's just run the 4 2 5 this year because it just wasn't working and Capone it's not like a indictment maybe it's a little bit of an indictment but it's like look not personal we just can't run it right now yeah right I will say I think it's a I think this was a the 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 335 switch I think is an indictment of both both of them because I know Morris wants to run the 335 right Mm -hmm. he wants to that's kind of why he hired Capone because he wanted to run that defense so whether this is like a come to Jesus moment for them or just something that they'll address in the offseason we'll see we'll see going forward okay moving on uh UTEP I mean I'll be honest uh, I didn't watch a single second of this game uh Arizona 31 UTEP 10 uh Former our former boy Jacob Cowing did have a touchdown in this game, eight uh ten catches for eighty four yards. I don't know if he did the I don't know if he did the whole soccer. I'm not celebrating thing when he, <laughs> when he scored <laughs> the respectful yeah. uh the respectful celebration. But uh yeah, we don't have to talk about this too much. UTEP has UNLV next week, which is an interesting game. I would like to I think uh UNLV I believe beat Vanderbilt this past weekend. <laughs> um. Uh-huh. I think nice. they hosted Vanderbilt. So we'll see. I mean, the UNLV is not, they're, they're a program that should be better, but they're not exactly flying high. So we'll see about that game. Um, that's kind of obviously more on UTEP's level. And then they open up Conference USA play after that with, uh, they host La Tech. So uh, yeah, moving on. I'm going to give you, I'm gonna be able to give you La Tech's like, yeah. Two, I was about to say <laughs> SMU, UNT, UTEP. They're going to play Houston. Sam Houston. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we, we're probably gonna put them in the magazine. They got Sonny Cumbie as our head coach. We just love Sonny Cumbie so much. Yeah. <laughs> we can't get away from him. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're about to break the all twenty-two out for for Logic. <laughs> all right, uh, Sam Houston was off. Uh, okay, speaking of depressing wins, uh, Baylor thirty, <laughs> Long Island seven. Uh, I love I love the between two bears guys. Uh, on Twitter and their podcast, of course. Um, go listen if you haven't listened to an episode yet. Uh, they were winning, and you would have thought they were watching Baylor lose 57-3. to <laughs> Because, to be fair, it was a very bad game to watch. Not yes. only because of the weather, there was a delay. Sawyer Robertson against Long Island. Eh, um... I guess the positive thing from this is they ran the ball really well at times. Um, yeah, that was, that was kind of, I mean, the quarter RJ Martinez got in the game, which my boy RJ Martinez, I love him, but um, yeah, I don't uh, quarterback's going to be an issue until Blake shaping gets back. That's all I know. Like they could not, they couldn't protect either guy <laughs> against long Island, which is awful. Um, so they just said, you know what? We're going to run the ball. That uh, McLean Stadium had the like. Look, I wasn't there. I was watching on my computer. Yeah. But McLean Stadium had the atmosphere of your grandmother's eight a.m. Baptist church service. It like was bad. 
It was flat. And the Baylor team looked flat. Yeah. Like the announcers even said it. I mean, dudes aren't celebrating when they're making good plays. The energy of the stadium's way off. Long Island's quarterback didn't even have a 247 profile. So that's like kind of how Baylor's season's going right now that yeah. Long Island was kind of in this game early. Um, yeah, man, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be a long, long game when they face Texas next week. Yeah, this was uh, 16 to 7 at halftime. <laughs> like, <laughs> the vibes are just not there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, really it's bad. Shout I, out. But, Shout out, though, Baylor leaning into three-star RBU with some Texas high school football legends, Dawson Pendergrass, Bryson Washington, Franklin, Richard Reese, Belleville, all those guys. Yes. Dawson Pendergrass, over 100 yards on the ground. That's awesome. My man didn't win more than seven games at Mineola his whole (laughs) high school career. And he's he's getting 100 yards – in McLean Stadium. I love this guy. No, uh, Richard Reese, 12 carries, 82 yards. Bryson Washington, 10 carries, 45 yards. One, this is the opponent you want to do it against, right? You want to get all those guys in and have them be able to do this. But also, two, hey, Baylor, until Blake Shapin comes back, you have three running backs potentially that you can do this with. Yeah. Um, they didn't have to really stretch out Richard Reese. He was able to get, like I said, the 12 carries and then call it a day. And then they, they kind of rode Dawson Pendergrass after that. But yeah, like if, again, if Sawyer Robertson's going to go 10 of 22 for 113 against Long Island and RJ Martinez, obviously they didn't really like him throwing that much. And so he goes only three for five for eight yards. Okay, cool. Run the ball. Do it. I think we're, I think we're starting to see why Blake Shapin won the job in spring instead of it switching to fall camp. Or go yeah. Camp. Yeah. Sawyer Robertson's is just not, I mean, again, he was a four-star recruit out of Coronado, but he's just not ready for to play this or to be kind of the, the guy on offense. Um, and also it, it is weird. He, he came from Mississippi state where it was pure air raid under Mike Leach, of course, before he passed. And so he comes from there to here. And so it is like a, a shift in mentality. So it's probably not enough just to have him learn the wide zone in off season and be like, cool. Now do all the things that Jeff Grimes wants you to do. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's starting to look like Blake Shapin when he comes back is just going to get the job back, which is safe to bet on. But also shout out RJ Martinez for all my five eleven Kings out there showing you don't need to lie about that extra inch. And get you with- don't, you don't got to be six foot. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> when he got listed at five eleven, I was like, damn, he, that's, 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 that's G. That's G. He's like, he think, <laughs> he think, he think he me. <laughs> think he me out there. Uh, all right, moving on to number nine, Texas Tech. Again, did not watch a single second of this game. I just had to make sure they were taking care of business. Good job. They beat Tarleton State. Uh, let me look at their schedule real quick, see who they got coming up. They got West Virginia in the Big 12 opener at Morgantown. So, I don't know. We'll see. Morgantown's crazy. I don't think they're going to lose, but it's Morgantown. Um, hey, they said Taj Brooks. So that's and Tyler Shuck didn't run as much. So the okay. two wanted to see mm-hmm. positive. positive. We did. We mentioned both of those things on Wednesday. <laughs> exactly. Other than that, don't have much to add. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Baron Morton got in the game as well <laughs> through two touchdowns. So there you go. That's all we got. Good job for beating Tarleton. Um, I was trying to think. Is anybody interesting from Tarleton do anything? Doesn't look like it. So, um, yeah, Big Twelve opener next week against at, at West Virginia. All right, 
Texas State, we don't talk about this one too much. I was there, but this was a 77 to 34 win over Jackson State. Uh, 77 th- points. Good Lord. Fifty-six in the first half, and honestly, the the funniest part was so Malik Hornsby played the entire second half, and because he's Malik Hornsby, the offense didn't slow down, and so it was like he just like okay, I'm just gonna run, and he had over 100 yards and two touchdowns on the ground just for the second half. Um, yeah, this offense is fun. Uh, defense, obviously, there's issues, but most of the issues were. That 34, two of those touchdowns would have come, would not have happened if not for two. I mean, they they happened. They weren't bad calls. Uh, two undisciplined plays on a roughing the punter, and then a I believe it was a hold a defensive pass interference and a roughing the passer on the same play that kept two drives going that kind of led Jackson State into it. Um, you'd want to share that up. Go ahead. Also, how many times is the defense gonna jump off sides? God. There was a like, I have a piece coming out, and I'll, I'll I don't want to drop any hints towards it uh, this week, but I was on the sideline for a lot of this game, and there were a lot of former players there, and every time, like even before they threw the flag, they would see like a guy flinch, and he's like, oh, like all the alumni, all the former players just throw their hands up, like oh another one, like it was, and they were they it got to a point where they would just start saying stop 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 cheating stop cheating like because you know that our edge dressers want to cheat up to see if they can get off the ball and they were like no stay still like all the alum there's like 20 alumni former players just like yelling at like it wasn't rebels but the edge rusher uh i forgot who it was but it was like you stop cheating stay on the line <laughs> it was funny but um no it was it was the top 10 crowd all time in bobcat stadium which coming off of a loss is not a guarantee um in my history being there, the student section always left at halftime and they were there the whole time. Uh, it was awesome. Genuinely like one of the best home atmospheres. I think I can remember even including the record setting crowds against Texas tech and Houston, uh, TJ Finley finished with over 250 yards. They ran the ball. I mentioned with Malik Hornsby, uh, Demarius good. Like the stable of running backs Texas state has is going to be something to play watch out for this year. Uh, Ishmael Mahdi again finished with a big game. Jamil Jeter, Denario Davenport. Uh, I mentioned, I mentioned Demarius Good. They have running options. I mentioned Malik Hornsby. He played a little bit in the first half. He had a, a one or two packages, um, specifically for him in the run game. This offense is fun. Like the defense has issues. We saw last week, we saw sometime this week when Jackson State got going. But this is going to be a team that can put up points, man. <laughs> It was it was pretty crazy to see the offensive line controlling the line of scrimmage that much without Nash Jones. Like, yes, one thousand percent. Second coolest ish to come out of Texas State, Ishmael. Look, Mahan. he's, he's, <laughs> he's listen. Been, I, I I held proudly held my hand for uh, trying to say for going on ten years of being the 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 most known ish coming out of Texas State. As soon as Ishmati hit that touchdown, I was like, I'm number two. Like that's it. Like I can't, I can't, I can't hate it. In Somebody, the press conference, in the press conference, Chris, Chris Coots, their SID, he was, uh, he was like, "Hey, I'm gonna go get Ish," and like he looks at me, he's like, "Not you, you're right there." But like he's like, so it's like I'm gonna have to. I was like, oh, I have to get used to that, right? Like cause they call him Ish too, and I was like, "Damn it." <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Something to keep an eye on too. TJ Finley expecting twins in the yeah Bible sometime in October, so. That next game, we got to hammer his touchdown total. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I'll, 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 honestly, you might have to go the under on that because he's going to be getting some – he needs some sleep. 
My sure. man's going to be needing some sleep. So I don't know that for that weekend uh, heading into it, maybe. Right. But the week after probably have to start hitting those unders. We'll see. Uh, yeah, no, he announced that uh, in a podcast and then he kind of talked about it afterward. Um, the issue, I don't want to say the issue with him, but like one of the things with him has been kind of like, I mean, been in terms of like LSU and Auburn, I don't want to say it was maturity, but was like kind of, he needed to grow up a little bit. And I'm, it is seeing him in that press conference. I think it has helped him mature. Um, and so I don't know if it's like expecting fatherhood or the fact that he settled down with his girlfriend and they just are, you know, the, he kind of knows where he is in life. I don't know. Um, but he is seeming like a much more composed individual, uh, just in general after that press conference, I noticed that. So, um, yeah, uh, Texas state has, I think they host Nevada next coming up, which just beat Kansas. So we'll see, or did they beat Kansas? Kansas. Or did they just... no, I don't know. Okay. I thought they were they were close with Kansas. They were. That was like Kansas. a night game too. I didn't see the final score. Uh, Nevada, Kansas. Okay, 30, 31 24 They ended up losing, but still, it was a close game for a while. So that'll be an interesting one. Uh, moving on the power pool. All right, Carter, your chance to apologize to the troops. Uh, Army. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. What was the? Oh, I just had the final score and I lost it. Uh, like thirty-seven but, to twenty-eight or something like that. It was yes. Real quick, thirty-seven twenty-nine. Okay, there we go. Friday night action. Uh, I was keeping track of this one on Twitter. I went back and watched it. I was at uh, the Steel Midland Legacy game. But Carter, you were watching the troops. Uh, basically, have your have your audio as as uh, bulletin board material and running that offense all over the Alamo. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, you know, I pride myself. It's kind of like no one respects the troops more than me. And I just lost my cool last week. <laughs> um, I wasn't watching the games. I saw one Twitter clip of them running the shotgun. And what I failed to realize is that cut blocks have been outlawed now, which makes it really hard to run under center triple option. You see at my alma mater, Frisco High School, they're running shotgun now as well and doing mm -hmm. more spread concepts because – you can't run, run the wing T if you yeah. can't cut block anymore. Um, so 41 to 15 time of possession battle is not going to work if you're UTSA. Um, here's the thing, though. Can our armed service academies be allowed to cut block and everyone else is not? I was about to say, they have to play like centers that are like 220 pounds. They yeah. should be able to cut block. <laughs> like, I, I understand like cut blocking kind of needs to be phased out of the game, but yeah. some things like our national security are more important and we need to allow them to still cut block. Yes. I was about to say, they need to like, they have like a year mandatory service after they graduate, let them do something different. Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, regardless, I, I thought UTSA's defense was the strength of this team. <laughs> and yep. I, I don't, I don't like, look, look, We'll get uh, Frank Harris didn't play, of course. Mm -hmm. He played. He uh, he was in a boot most of the week. Eddie Lee Marburger, my my other son from the from the Rio Grande Valley, uh, he got the start. Uh, shout out, uh, Sherilyn Pioneer. But Frank Harris wouldn't have won this game either. Like <laughs> this defense was awful, and yeah. I don't know how it happened because this defense was great against Texas State. And this defense was great against Houston, which may say more about Houston now. Um, but regardless, Texas State, look, they couldn't protect against UTSA. And Army hadn't, to your 
to your credit, Carter, Army hadn't put up numbers or anything to where to where you would presume that uh, they'd come into the Alamo Dome and just put up 37. You know, like uh, by the way, the wildest stat trailer was un. Uh, sorry, what was it? Was what was the streak for Jeff Trailer in the Alamo Dome? Was he unbeaten? He wasn't unbeaten. Anyway, his only t- I think his only two losses in the Alamo Dome are to Army. That's I think insane. so. Yes, to Army is now 2-0 against Jeff Trailer in the Alamo Dome. Everyone else is 1-19. in <laughs> Jeez. That is insane to me. He, that, like, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess Monken is just insane. I don't know. Yeah, Jeff Trailer is not. Yeah, that's insane to me. UTSA has won 17 of their last 18 home games. That includes two conference championships. Uh, that was from Jared Kalmus on on Twitter um, from Alamo Audible. Yeah, that's, I mean, like, I don't know what it is. I guess he just respects the troops that much that he can't beat them in the Alamo Dome. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Did you see his, his post-game press conference? He was pissed he lost to the troops. No, no, he, he definitely said, he definitely like, oh, didn't he like apologize to open the presser? He apologized to end it, I think. I think he yes. got more worked up as it went on. Probably like, like reliving started, the whole game in his head. <laughs> and then he started reliving the whole game. And like each answer got more and more angry until finally at the very end, he apologized for like how embarrassing it was, which like, it's not like it was not like it was an embarrassing loss, but literally the worst spot in the world you can be in is down 14 nothing to Army because yes. they're you're not gonna, getting the ball back. You're not going to get the ball back. And like Army, it's just demoralizing how many times they went for it on fourth down and got it. I think they were five five for five. Yep. It was just like every fourth and short, like that's normally a W for UTSA's defense. Like, yeah, yep. we're getting off the field. And Army's like, no, we'll take the rock back, actually. And then I think they sealed it with a, a keeper on third and three just across midfield. And it was like it was the most army play, like quarterback keeper on the right side, dives for just like 3.2 yards and gets it. And it was like, oh, there's the game, a minute to go, no timeouts left. And I was like, okay, that's it. Well, it's also funny because everyone in the defensive secondary, whenever they play Army, like forgets how to defend passes. Like, because <laughs> Army will, they'll be like, oh, they're passing. Oh my God. Like, where, like, where right. do we go? And like the Army quarterback will just throw it up and then it'll be like, def- it's either a completion or defensive pass interference. Yes. Like, the only two outcomes that happen when Army starts chucking it down the field. I think it was their last touchdown where it was just exactly that like it wasn't even like a a play action it was just a straight drop back three-step drop back and the quarterback just like found a wide open receiver in i think it was like the third quarter or something and he had to like he even underthrew the receiver and the receiver had was able to like kneel and come back to it wide open in the end zone because the utsa defender just like let him go and it was mm-hmm. like oh yeah they're throwing the ball now too because they're in shotgun they can do that uh yeah they threw 17 or 18 passes for army last year i'm pretty sure they threw like 18 all year so uh yeah well they'll have to brush that off but we'll see i mean this people talk a lot about frank harris and all that and yes sure that's gonna be a thing right um i don't think eddie marwer played bad i think he was fine but now they play at tennessee and in my opinion i don't i'm not bringing frank harris back for at tennessee <laughs> Well, it's like, I'm just sorry. lost to, to their rival Florida too. So yeah, I was about to say they're, they're gonna come out looking bad. To some people. <laughs> yeah, peed. Yeah, mad. and then they go. Then they start uh, SC play back up again against South Carolina the next week. So they're looking for a tune-up game. So yeah, no, yeah. sorry, Eddie Lee Marburger, you're going back out there for for uh, for Knoxville. 
Uh, and then they, I think they open um, AAC play the next week, which sure. Yeah, sure. Oh no, they have a buy. So yes, Eddie Lee Marburger, I will say this right now. I'm predicting Eddie Lee Marburger is playing oh, this yeah. game because they have a bye week and then they open the AAC play. So Frank Harris gets two weeks off and then they open the conference play. Yeah. I'm going to predict that <laughs> the Valley boy is going to run out there one more time. The, the thing about UTSA under trailer is like, they have been this example of like this G5 program who isn't losing guys to the transfer portal and keeping all these dudes intact. And now Zakari Franklin leaves and goes to Ole Miss and they just don't have a downfield passing game really yeah. without him. Like right. Josh Cephas, he's their number one wide receiver. He's good, but he's more of an underneath type of guy. Uh, I know Eddie Lee Markberger had that. He actually had – actually, I'm walking this back now because now I'm relieving the game. They had the Devin McQuinn – pass that was yeah, hell mary but they had the one in the third second half that was actually like a pretty good on a rope like 72 yard throw or something like that um it went yeah. not a 72 yard throw but it was like a 40 yard throw that went for 30 more yards um so maybe devin mcqueen kind of steps into this like deep like downfield shot wide receiver early in the game i'll say early in the game they didn't have much downfield passing attack it was all kind of dink and dunk and like it was out. very hesitant very hesitant which is part of it is like, okay, I think it's because they got a new quarterback too. So like, that's part of the reason they're doing that. Sure. Um, but I think the wide receiver room is not as strong as it has been in years past. No, hundred percent agree. Okay. Moving on. Houston talked about them. Uh, they're in trouble. Uh, Rice. Houston on, is Houston on butt watch? Houston might be on butt watch. Uh, it might be butt warning coming soon. <laughs> um, let's see who did actually. Let me look at their schedule real quick. I do not know who Houston has right now. Uh, they have um, they have Sam Houston. Oh, oh that defense. That game yeah. like six. Nothing. Listen, Sam Houston will not win this game because they cannot move the ball. Like they cannot move the ball. But this Houston might score set thirteen points <laughs> against Sam Houston. <laughs> um. So yeah, we'll stay on butt watch for now, but butt warning may be coming soon. Uh, let's see. Moving on the power pole, we got Rice, who let's see, I did not see a game, a single second of this game, but they beat Southern fifty nine to seven. Seven for Rice, that's not always a guaranteed blowout. Mm-mm. So JT Daniels found four different receivers. Look at that! Look, uh, the thing I love about Rice, we had this discussion. Craven was putting this pr- proposition in the in the Slack. He was like, I think Rice and Texas State are like two of the candidates for most improved in the state. And I, you know, obviously I'm biased Texas State, but I said I would give the nod to Rice because Mallory, what did we all say last year was the problem with this team? They needed a quarterback, quarterback and player. so much would be fixed if they just had a quarterback. Yeah. And so much has looked fixed because they got a quarterback. They have a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. No, he found, yeah four different receivers had a touchdown which i think is really impressive for this rice team <laughs> like because yeah. that's not something we would have said last year against a texas sure. southern team sure 100 i'm trying to think i was trying to let me see there's games against uh they're kind of this money is what happens yeah. this is what happens when you give mike bloomgrim a former five-star quarterback who's 24 <laughs> this is what he <laughs> can do mm-hmm. listen this is i'm telling you like rice is gonna be interesting to watch i don't again AAC is tough, but we'll see if UTSA is struggling like they are, or right if if North Texas is struggling like they are. I don't know. Um, I actually they don't got North Texas this year, but UTSA. I mean, um, they have USF coming up. That's a winnable game. East Carolina is going to be tough. UConn's going to be tough, but 
I don't know. All they're on track sudden, to go look, bowling. I think they're I on about, track to go bowling. I was about to say, like, all of a sudden you look at this AAC schedule, and I was like, ooh, that's a little tough. Now I'm like, I don't what? see a game that they – SMU is going to be a challenge in Tulane. Yeah. That's it, right? Everything else, they're in conversation, in my opinion, to win. Did you see that Alabama-USF game? <sighs> USF's got to play with Bama a little bit. I know the quarterbacks weren't very good, but, like, Listen, I mean, they're running I, back I'm, stick the safety. I'm convinced. Was it you that tweeted out that Nick Saban's playing 5D chess with the quarterbacks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he's going to play both bad quarterbacks to show that when he plays Jalen Milrow, he's the best option they have. <laughs> That's funny. That's yeah, true. He's like, it makes keep, sense. He's going to keep him all games like, everyone get off my back when yeah. Jalen Milrow throws him. He's like, look, we're not playing him the whole game. You're going to see how bad this team is. <laughs> That's funny. No, yeah, no, Bama looked – I mean, USF was able to hang with Bama a bit. Um, that is that is true. Like, I won't take that away. Um, but Wasn't still, right? at USF, too? I, I mean, at USF. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. It's just fun. Like, I just saw that, and I was like, I, I it's just weird, like, that they yeah. were no, – Alabama traveled to play there. Actually, yeah, that is a good point. I think – honestly, I think that's a recruiting play for Nick because I think – don't they play in Tampa? Yeah, I think I so. Think, and so I think that's a, that's a good – destination for like florida and bama recruit so it's i'm pretty sure that was like a hey come watch us play type of thing yeah. like he'll play he'll play anywhere in florida i'm pretty sure he'd play in a florida high school if he could just to have yeah. recruits come out to that area um yeah. but yeah i think that was more of a smart i mean credit to usf for getting him there definitely um but i think nick saban was definitely more than obliged to, to play a game in mm-hmm. florida yeah um let's see moving on all right i did not see this game and i did not know the score of this game until we started recording SMU 69 Prairie View, nothing. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Very nice. Look, I've SMU right now has like some dominant wins and then kind of a weird, frustrating loss to Oklahoma. I still think still think this team looks like a Mack truck. Um, four quarterbacks got in the in the game for, for SMU, uh, including Kevin Jennings and Keldrick Luster. Shout out McKinney. Um yeah, I don't know. They're still kicking people's butt. And uh, honestly, pr- along with Tulane, I mean, they're starting to pull away from the pack in terms of being kind of the class of the AAC right now. Mm-hmm. I watched about a drive of this game, and what I saw was Preston Stone through an interception on a short throw that sailed. Just got a little lazy with the mechanics. Yeah. And then the next play or two prairie a&m threw a poster out that should have been a touchdown but was dropped and then i didn't watch any more of the game so i mean i think prairie a&m really had a chance in that one and was hanging <laughs> with them and i think smu's in trouble according according <laughs> to what you saw <laughs> about to move up <laughs> to the ac <laughs> yeah. like I, I wouldn't put them in the class of the aac territory yet i'm not sure now, I don't know. I, I don't know what to think of SMU. I mean, they've had like two sleepwalk games and then a game versus Oklahoma, who I'm not sure how good they are either. Yeah, I'll tell you this. We will know because next week mm-hmm. is the, at least for the foreseeable future, the final installment of the Iron Skillet at TCU. That game is going to be packed. Mm-hmm. First of all, I'm sorry. I know it's the big noon kickoff thing. Why Don't put this game at 11 a.m. I'm sorry. Why is this game at 11 a.m.? This game needs to be afternoon, evening. Mm-hmm. It's because when, it when the Fox suits are in their 
corporate boardroom, they Ugh. see that actually 11 a.m. has the best ratings. But what they recognize is it's so much harder to get drunk before. <laughs> I was about to say, like, it's it's because nobody wants to leave their house at 11 yeah. a.m. So they're going to watch it, which sure makes sense if you're just looking at the numbers. But this, this game is going to be packed, but it could be more packed. And it could be a better yeah. crowd if it was just literally three hours later. <laughs> but whatever, who cares? It's it's going to tell us a lot about one of these teams. Mm-hmm. Because I think regardless, no matter what, a close win, blowout win, whatever, there's narratives to be drawn from this, right? If SMU goes in and wins the last one, okay, SMU is as good as we think. If TCU goes and beats SMU, okay, that's a quality win for TCU. Maybe they are actually towards the upper echelon of the Big 12 again. I don't know. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited for this game because, yeah, there's still question marks about both of these teams, and we're going to get, we're finally going to get some answers. So we'll preview that one this week. That's definitely going to be on the big, uh, the the top three for us on Wednesday. This rivalry going away is makes zero sense. By the me. way, did you see the, did you see the series that TCU announced for next year? Yeah. Versus Southwestern Oklahoma State. Like, who are they playing instead? <laughs> it's Arkansas State. Okay. Which, bad. I mean, by this by the state of that program, it might as well be Southwest Oklahoma State right now. <laughs> um, yeah, that's again, it's only a one year series, but the fact that that's going away for that year to make room for that, like, oh my god, come on! Like, and are SMU's you in a power three now? SMU forgot, like, gave away nine years of media rights to be in the power three, and TCU still won't play them. What the, <laughs> what's going on? I thought, and Craven thought this too, and it might come to fruition in the future. Like, I thought that TCU was getting rid of the game so they could add a series with Texas or something like that, right? It's like, oh, okay, we're getting, you know. I still hate it, but like, that's what I thought, right? We're going to add this, you know, somebody's leaving Oklahoma or somebody, right? They're leaving. So we got to add a marquee non-conference game. Now they're just getting Arkansas state who scared had Butch Jones crying on the sidelines. Cause they got beat so bad by Alabama. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. Ugh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, it's leaning very, it's very much leaning into the, the Rhett Lashley's belief that it was not the SMU side that is making this game. Go yeah. Away. So, um, all right, number three, Texas A&M, 47, UL Monroe, three. Uh, Naomi Brown, our intern, w- was at this game, and she'll be at most of the A&M home games this year. She had a three-thoughts piece. Um, look, not much to take from this one. I only saw, like, a couple plays from this. But, uh, look, we had a whole week of talking about the offense is pretty good. The defense kind of stinks. And I know it's ULM, but this was what you wanted to see from the defense, in my opinion, after a week of talking about it. You needed a tune-up game. Connor mm-hmm. Wigman came out, looked good. 25 of 29, 337. He looks like a dude. Um, it does look like Ruben Foster is kind of emerging as their feature back. Um, and that was looking like it against Miami too. Ruben, Ruben Owens. Or Ruben Owens. What did I say? <laughs> Ruben Foster, the Alabama linebacker from 2015. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That is a pull. Uh, Ruben <laughs> Owens, the freshman running back from El Campo, Texas. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's definitely looking like the feature back now um by the way love you knowing reuben foster right off the top of your head um but <laughs> but regardless now they go into sec play uh with again a tune-up game for the defense we'll see what they have against auburn you know real test and then of course the weird at&t game against arkansas but i don't know this is what they needed to do against ulm 47 to three and yeah max johnson got out of the game because it was comfortable and took care of business well 
talk about big brain plays. How about AM just sitting Evan Stewart out so Connor Wigman could only throw to Anaya Smith? Yeah. It was like your cheat code is gone. <laughs> Find somebody else because we need somebody else to be in this receiving core. Yeah. But it is kind of worrying too because Noah Thomas injured his low, I got a lower body injury. I don't oh, know that's the a good part of it, but you're already out Donovan Green on the season. Yeah. At tight end. So it's now it's like if we're down six six, Noah Thomas, like I don't know, it's getting a little thin. Yeah, yeah. And Evan Stewart's Stewart's just showing. I don't know what, like, I don't know why Evan Stewart didn't play. Like, he didn't. Yeah, I didn't see that either. Ash, let me do a quick Twitter search. See if there was any updates from any of the guys at the Bryan College Station Eagle. Uh, He didn't warm up. He wasn't in pads. Uh, Oh, I mean, oh, okay. From Naomi, the press. um, Okay, so Naomi was there at the press conference. Jimbo on both Evan Stewart and Noah Thomas. Quote: They should be. They both should be fine. So Thanks, maybe Jimbo. it was just, maybe it was just, I don't know if it's Jimbo being Jimbo saying they're both fine in terms of like, they're not going to die, but like, or if it's like, they should also just be back for next week. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I love when coaches are just so secretive about injuries. Like, <laughs> oh, it's the worst. Yeah. Uh, Texas State's Dennis Francione used to only do the, he would never talk about an injury unless they were out for the year. If they were out for the year, then he would tell you. But if, if they weren't, they just would not talk about it. It's like, what are you like? What are you? Who are you tricking here? Like you're not. <laughs> who are you trying to pull? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, Evan Stewart will be back next week. Noah Thomas out for four weeks, but in the end, they both will be fine. So that's what I'll tell you. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> all right. Let's move on to. Let's. We talked about TCU. They'll they'll probably stay at number two. Um, because they won. All right. Let's talk about Texas because this game was fun for. <laughs> Probably 75, 80% of the game. This one was actually interesting. Um, of course, we talked about it'd be the most Texas thing if they come off the Bama win and then just come out flat. And then what happens on the first drive against Wyoming? <laughs> they give up like a 80 or 70 yard touchdown run with this gash, this defense that we just talked about all week being incredible. And then to be fair, the defense then shirt up um, and and held them basically to 10 points for the rest of the game. But it was the offense that we thought was complete and done. And Quinn Ewers is him and all this stuff that all of a sudden could not find (laughs) a second gear at all until Xavier Worthy said, get on my back. I am shaking everybody and I'm taking this to the house and finally putting this game on ice. This is all a shock to me. I couldn't watch any of this game. So I just assumed that Texas came out and took care of business versus Wyoming. And that was all good. It was 31-10. I mean, didn't cover, but okay, we had it in control all game. They had it in control all game, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it wasn't 10-10 for most of the game. I was in the nightmare chamber. Uh, watch, but only saw the score. Five minutes to kick off. And I'm trying to pull it up on the TV. I'm signing into ESPN Plus. I'm searching on YouTube TV. Twitter's freaking out because Wyoming just got a 70-yard touchdown. And I'm just repeatedly getting denied. Like, you are not authorized to watch this game on my ESPN (laughs) Plus account. I'm like, no. Like, it was was pretty brutal. Um, Here's what I'll say. Texas is not a great team yet. Great teams play Wyoming at home on Wyoming back and quarterback and dominate them. Texas did not. Texas did not handle the Alabama 
hangover well. Therefore, you can't be considered great yet. Now, the one thing is, this is now the second time Sark said in his press conference that a team has come out in a completely different defensive set than what they studied on film or what they had in the games before that. I don't know. I guess Rice did something different. Or mm. I, I'm doubting Alabama did something completely, completely different. Yeah, I feel like they um, didn't. Yeah. So that's a sign of a good team. I don't know. I, I, that looks a lot like the same old Texas to me is playing with your food through three quarters. Maybe. I don't know. I'd say I partially agree. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if I agree with them not being great, but I'm also wondering, and this is kind of a discussion about the country is if, do they need to be great to make the playoff this year? I think, no, they don't need to be great, but they need to stop sleepwalking in games they should win. Sure. Like, because Wyoming was on their backup QB. Yeah. And Wyoming is a good group of five team, but like, I don't know, man. Andrew Peasley, the starter, looked pretty good against Texas Tech. Yeah. And like, if he's playing, does that game look different? And if you come out like that, you did versus Wyoming. I know Iowa State, Oklahoma State are down, but like, does Kansas like does Kansas jump out to a two touchdown lead there? Does yeah. some of the other middle of the pack teams jump out to a two touchdown lead? I I would say normally a team no, like Texas does not need to be great to make the playoff. But mm. when you're in your last year, the Big Twelve getting everyone's best shot, and you got the target on your back, you need to be better than that. Yeah. I think I agree with that. I think like, I think when I look at the big 12 and I think, well, here's, here's the thing. I think one, they definitely slept walk because I think they have the look ahead to, again, I'm not saying they're worried about Baylor, but the big 12 opener next week. Right. And so they come off of Bama, huge win, historic win They're They know the big 12 starts next week. And they see Wyoming, and I'm not saying they don't think Wyoming's a good team, but, like, you see a group of five at home, right, a team like Wyoming who's not a powerhouse per se, but still I think they're going to be a nine, eight, nine win team this year. Um, but still, I think it's – I don't want to say it's hard to get up, get out of bed for Wyoming, but it's kind of hard to get out of bed for Wyoming after everything, in the context of everything. And I think, across, honestly, across the country, I think we saw a lot of teams that kind of – had a hard time getting out of the bed for their group of five opponent. Um, I think the Quinn Ewers stuff was a little concerning to me, right? He only had 131 yards and they weren't exactly, they weren't going ground and pound, right? They were trying to throw the ball and he, it was, it was a lot of last year stuff. I think he had 50% completion or close to it. Um, the positive is I think Jonathan Brooks is kind of emerging as their feature back and he looked really good. I think he had over 150, 60 yards in this one. Um, but, and the other good thing is that I don't, I, I think they could sleepwalk next week too, and be perfectly fine against Baylor. Yeah, um, sleepwalk too. So yeah, I was about to say Baylor's going <laughs> Baylor's to sleepwalk, sleepwalk too. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I think this is a quote unquote concern to me because this is still a Wyoming team that beat Texas tech. Like this is a Wyoming team that's shown it could put up again with a big 12 team. So 
10 10 through most of the game is not great don't get me wrong um but i'm more of a put a pin in that for save it for later as opposed to being worried about texas right now i think i'm still based on the rest of the country and based on the landscape of the big 12 i still am not worried but and i'm a little i'll side eye it a little bit as far as being worried um they did take care of business when they just again when they decided to care when xavier worthy decided to be that guy and then uh who else had a long the jonathan brooks had the 61 yard touchdown um i think jared thompson had a pick six too. yeah and this so there was a pick six as well so like again when when it became clear that it was game time okay cool awesome they decided to put their foot on the gas but yeah i mean if like you said if this is kansas team's good enough to to win to beat them and capitalize on this yeah maybe there is something to worry about but i'll say for now uh we'll talk more on wednesday about this game coming up against against baylor but i'm not i'm still not worried just because i don't think the big 12 is very good this year um at least based on what we've seen so far including oklahoma i don't think oklahoma is very good right now so all gas no breaks that game was like let's keep it in neutral three i was about to say <laughs> third then- gear or second gear <laughs> And then punch the gas when <laughs> we need to try. Yeah. Mostly brakes, then gas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So mostly brakes, then nitrous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Flip the nose. Um <laughs> All right, that'll do it for the power pull. Uh yeah, that's it for this episode. Um, you know, we'll be back next week when conference play starts for everybody mostly. Um, I think mostly everybody. Still, more exciting games coming up. We'll finally have some stuff to to really talk about, and we'll get into this Wednesday. Actually, no, I will be out Wednesday. I just remembered. So you guys will have to figure out what to do. So I will be out because I'm not gonna be in. I'm not gonna be in town. Oh uh, yeah, where are you gonna be? I'm gonna be in Minneapolis at the uh, Creators of Color Summit. Uh, Why are ten- you gonna be there? Because I was because I was named to the Creators of Colors cohort for twenty. There we go. So, <laughs> oh, congratulations so, are in order. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so I will be there. So you guys have to figure out what to do if Craven calls in or whatever. So yeah, I just, I literally just remembered that. So y'all will have te- games to talk about on Wednesday. Yeah. We'll have plenty to talk about. <laughs> and I'll be back for the Sunday episode. So, uh, yeah, that'll do it. Uh, we'll Ma- I'll let Mallory get this one up. And we'll talk to you guys later. Rutgers, what was the score? What are we at? 3-0, baby. I don't know the score, but 3-0. Doesn't matter. 3-0 is 3-0. Doesn't matter. Go Rutgers. Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, go Rutgers. Jimbo Fisher, give us a call.